Welcome to the Orange Sox Podcast, where we are inspiring life despite a diagnosis. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Nebaker. I was honored to interview Christy and Andrew, their two sons and grandma and grandpa, about Hadley, who has a diagnosis of Pfeiffer syndrome. I enjoyed learning their story, and I know you will too. It was a kind of a long road. It started just a normal pregnancy, and we were thrilled when we found it was going to be a girl. And then we went for an anatomy scan, and at 20 weeks or 21 weeks, and they kept saying, "Oh, her head's showing up real big." And we just started laughing about it because we thought it was like Micah, our middle child, who has who's just a big kid, and we didn't really think anything of it. I should have because another ultrasound tech came in to also do the measurements, but I didn't and I've seen a gazillion ultrasounds so I should have but cut to that report gets sent to your obstetrician and then the obstetrician who is my friend calls me and says it's not a big deal but I need to refer you to um, the maternal specialist um, because of two things that showed up on that ultrasound and I was like okay no big deal it was really busy at work we were opening our brand new tower women's tower I work in labor and delivery so I know a lot about everything that was happening. I was like, no problem, I'll just, I'll just step across the way um, to the doctor's office while I'm working. Didn't even think to bring Andrew because I legit just thought I was going in for a quick little checkup. And then we go there and we start the ultrasound and then it's very obvious something's wrong. She gets the doctor in the room who I've known for, what, 10 years at that point. And um, then things just started unfolding and they didn't know what it was. They just knew something was very wrong. So that was terrifying. And then I'm sent back to work and I'm like, I don't know, just a mess, obviously. Like he couldn't see a kidney. He couldn't, like something was wrong with her head, obviously, but he didn't know what it was. And then it was like, okay, well, what do we do now? So then it unfolded to the next day, a fetal MRI, which is really crazy to do when you're pregnant and you have to hold still, but your baby's moving. And then the next day was an amnio. So. Um, then cut to how many, everything on the amniocentesis came back okay. Like it's not this, it's not that, it's not this. And it turns out that unless you are really searching for a certain type of what skeletal dysplasia, gene panel. yeah, you have to know what you're ordering um, to narrow it down. So it took the help of a second specialist to figure it out. And when I went in there, she goes, I'm 95% sure it's, Cruzons. It's Cruzons, um, and don't Google it. Christy, of course, Googled it. What you see when you Google it is old findings and the most severe cases. It makes it easy to jump to the worst case scenario. So you just jump to the worst thinking, you know, is she going to be okay? Is, you know, is she going to look like a little baby? Your mind just goes in 10,000 directions, so... During this time, Andrew was also meeting with doctors, and the doctors were still looking for definitive signs and symptoms, but weren't finding what they were looking for. It was only when they were referred out to another specialist that they ended up with a more concrete idea of what was going on. Andrew felt afraid when the specialist started talking about a Pfeiffer syndrome diagnosis. Dr. Ray, uh, you know, we, we met a couple times and, and weren't quite getting the direction. Uh, that we were looking for, and it was only when we were referred out that we, we ended up with a more concrete idea of what was going on. 
and that was basically the one major doctor's appointment I ever missed <laughs> uh, because of a work obligation uh, was the one where we kind of really nailed it down uh, that, that Hadley had an FGFR2 mutation. Um, so I haven't made that mistake since. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, initially it, there's fear and, and you know, we, we talk about the Pfeiffer syndrome diagnosis. Um, and a lot of that is centered on, you know, how, how we can accommodate her, but also more on how she looks. And, and as time has gone on, it's been less about how she looks than her, her overall total care needs. So I think at some point in time, the initial reaction was, you know, what's it going to be like to have a child that looks different and has some needs? Um, but will act like a normal child. We'll she will be walking and talking, and her biggest problem will be, what color bow should I wear that day? Or, 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 or social pressures. Yeah. And, and ultimately, we're not dealing with social pressures. And that's kind of a relief in some senses, um, but, but kind of not. I mean... Um, so yeah, I mean, initially just shock and then you work through it. And, and we had a dear friend come that next day and sit with us for a couple hours and just, you know, be there to support us. And, and so friendship communities that existed and then that have resulted as a result of the diagnosis and connecting with people online uh, that are in the same community, which is very strong and very reassuring. Uh, that's been kind of one of the most amazing things about it for me personally is just the people that we've connected with, uh, you know, all across the U.S. and in some cases beyond, that care, uh, that share a common bond and support each other. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. They had 10 weeks of worry and unknowns while they were waiting for a diagnosis. While they got the official diagnosis, Christy was 34 weeks. After they received it, they tried to mentally prepare for her arrival. One doctor mentioned a possibility that if it wasn't a viable pregnancy, Christy could go a few states away because Christy was so far along and have an abortion. But that wasn't an option for Christy and Andrew. Besides, there was not an absolute diagnosis at that point for them to know if the pregnancy was viable or not. Um, well, I ended up being diabetic during this pregnancy, so I was already a wreck and then um, couldn't eat anything that I wanted to so um, yeah then the plan was um, because of her uh, craniosynostosis that her brain um, and her her skull may not you know be great for delivering um, naturally so then um, we had a scheduled c-section plus she was breached for like eight weeks However, on the day of the C-section, I had been having contractions, but I kept saying, well, it's okay, because she's breached, she's not pushed, you know, a, a labor nurse thing. Um, turns out, no, she had flipped, and I was five centimeters on the OR table, but she was gonna come that day, so she was C-section, and then it was um, a big affair. Grammy got to be in the room, too. Um, two of my best friends were there to, one was my, like, taking care of me, the other was taking all the photos. Um, and a big team of people for her, for me. Um, the room was filled because the NICU team didn't know, um, the first thing they worry about is airway. And so they didn't know what was gonna end up happening. And so uh, luckily she was kind of stubborn and they couldn't get her intubated. And it turns out she didn't need to be intubated. So it worked out because that would have been a longer issue to deal with. Sure. But. Well, in the waiting room for a doctor's appointment, someone looked at Hadley 
and asked Christy, did you know she was going to be born like that? Grammy and I were at um, therapy and we were in the waiting room and this is before COVID obviously and we're just waiting to go back and somebody said something about, um, look, they looked at her and said something they were like, and oh, and you, you knew she was going to be born like that? I, I've been asked point blank in a therapy office by another parent uh, about if we were given the option to abort. So, so on a medical level, it was never a, a, a focus, but uh, you know. But somebody random uh, sitting next to you. John, John Smith in the doctor's office will bring it up. Yeah. So, uh, that's pretty invasive and, and you know, that's a snap judgment and, and you look at, at the value of a life or, or you, you don't know my story at that point. Yeah. And, and, and so that's, that's just a pretty brazen place to assert. Um, and so that's, it's actually pretty easy to, to dismiss, all told. You know, the first time that might happen, there's a little shock value, but uh, definitely now, or, or on some of the things that we share in, in social formats, it's just so easy to, to hit delete, move on, and not sh shed a moment on that. I will say I have never had anybody say anything unkind to me. However, my husband told me, because he, uh, he does the Instagram, I guess I don't, and he told me about some that I was like, I can't even believe it. I, I'll be honest, I like gallows humor, I like dark stuff, it, 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 but not about my child. It, it, you know, there, there's boundaries there. But it's, it's very, you know, as we've posted some things in recency that have had higher volume, it's just a matter of numbers that, that you're going to get detractors and, and people that, that have no connection or bearing or interaction with your life and they can say off color things, but hey, that, that's okay. Let's delete and move on. Andrew said he thought they would reach a level of autonomy and independence. And as medical setbacks have happened, they have reached a place where Hadley requires total care. There have been two cycles of accepting, the initial diagnosis and then subsequently realizing that there is more going on than what they had prepared for. Uh, you know, we've reached a place where she's a total care child and, and maybe she didn't start out that way, but that's who she is now. Um, and, and so the goalposts moved a little, but that's okay. And, and so I think there've been kind of two cycles of accepting an initial diagnosis, but then subsequently realizing uh, that there's a little bit more going on than, than, than we had been set up for or, or prepared for, and, and that's okay. Andrew has a brother and sister. Their family unit was strong and they reacted well. His parents were out of town and they came back when they heard Hadley's diagnosis. Andrew has some commonality with his sister. She had a child with an extreme diagnosis who passed away. Relative to Hadley, she got a tracheostomy when she was 13 months old. They chose to do it. She was needing oxygen. She has small airways and little ear canals. Everything in her mid-face is smaller. When she got her trach, it really helped her airway. Once she got her trach, it was a big, big deal. That's her airway. You can't lose your airway. Um, we had issues with feeding at the beginning too, which was really um, distressing because she was actually a lot smaller than we thought she would be and hard for her to gain weight. Um, so. Feeding was a big issue at the beginning. Um, oxygen became an issue as she was growing, but needing a tiny bit of oxygen. So then how do you get all this stuff to all these gazillions of appointments you're going to? Um, and then with the trach, you know, you have to do a lot of training 
in the hospital. I'm a nurse and you still have to, you're, you're still learning things you never thought you would do. Um, so I would say the, the, the total care stuff was mostly related to feeding, which is all through her tubey, cutie, and um, suctioning all the time. You always have to have your equipment with you. Um, and then at night she's connected to the ventilator, um, which helps, it's not helping her to breathe, it's just making her breathe at a certain rate. The first two months were kind of bliss. <laughs> we, we had, we didn't have any, like we were held in NICU for four, four days. days and that was just to do some front end screenings, but she was breathing, she was breastfeeding. Uh, there, were, there was nothing to prevent her from coming home. And, and so we had about a month and a half period where we had a child that looked different but was absolutely adorable, but apart from that, like very similar to, to our boys. And, and then there were, you know, uh, syndrome specific things that started happening uh, that, that kind of escalated and changed things. Uh, her, her right eye started to hemorrhage out of its globe uh, which happens to, to FGFR2 kids. Um, and, and so we were met with our craniofacial team a couple times about that and had set our first round of surgery. Uh, but then eventually there was a day where her eye hemorrhaged and it- Herniated. It herniated, pardon, mm -hmm. herniated. And then it, it fixed in place and we couldn't get the lid back over. And that is where things kind of escalated and we really got heavy in the medical and, and then just the progression from there on out it seemed like about a year and a half of you know one discovery after another one need to be addressed after another to, what to would me you say? to me the hardest thing is we have a, a medically complex child yeah who, who interacts with about nine subspecialties or therapies and and we're we're the hub to that and they're all spokes so but we're not all on the same wheel. Like everything points out and comes back to us and this and that. And the lack of interdisciplinary collaboration um, or the ones, or the fact that we're non med well, she's medical, but I'm non-medical and we're the ones driving that. And, and what one doctor says has relevance to the next, uh, but we, we're the ones left connecting the dots. So, so th that's probably the hardest thing to me uh, in the grand scheme. It, like the care we get down, you know, yeah. we have routines, we have wonderful support. Uh, but as far as really vetting what's, how can we maximize her quality of life and get her everything she needs, that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. A typical day is that Hadley is unhooked from the vent she uses to sleep at night and get ready for the day. She's immobile, so moving her and all the equipment getting her fed, trach care, another feeding, exercise, and therapies they do. She's not going to school right now due to COVID, which has given her opportunities to be social and to meet other people and allow her to grow. Most days are pleasant, non-dramatic, and full of smiles. She is a happy little girl. Um, I love having a girl. She's just so sweet, always so sweet and smiley and I feel like she knows who we are and gets excited. She loves her brothers. She loves her dog over there. Um, it's not hard to find like simple things that are just adorable about her, but. Um, She's a happy little girl. Yeah. 
but beyond that, she's given us so much perspective that we didn't have. Um, you know, we're talking, you talked to our boys earlier today and, and they shared a little, but like their resilience in the whole matter and what they do is leaps and abounds more amazing because their parents are, are navigating and, and it's, it's, you know, peaks and valleys. You know, grief is, isn't a process that you work through. It's, it's cyclical in nature. And, and so just their resilience in the matter is amazing. Um, love that. But like, yeah, my life is markedly different than it was five years ago. Is that funny? <laughs> and it's better, but it's a heck of a lot harder. And in ways that you would never think about unless you're given the opportunity and the circumstance to navigate that. My lifesaver was connecting with another mom whose child had the similar <laughs> syndrome and she just carried me through this thing. I, she lived in another state and we would talk hundreds of times a day and it was like I could say whatever I wanted to say without any judgment. She didn't even know me. She just took me in. And so what I would say to someone else is like there's going to be someone that will do that for you. and. It could be me, because I'm. I'm. An, if I if I find out that there's a new Pfeiffer baby coming into the world or whatever, I'm gonna connect with you. I'm gonna do, you know, pay it forward, whatever I can do. So just to, to find your support. I think Christy's point of connection is super important. You know, we all need to lean on people. And beyond <laughs> that, you can only control the things you can control. And one of the things you can control is your attitude and your approach to all that. And, and even in, in markedly hard circumstances, like there's good, you just gotta find it. You gotta be, you gotta be open and willing to find that. So our medical team uh, would consist of uh, an outstanding pediatrician. I'll start there. Yeah. Uh, but beyond <laughs> that, uh, we, we work with a local neurosurgeon. We have a local neurologist, a local pulmonologist. GI. GI. Uh, Eyes. Oh. Uh, to, to eye doctors, we have uh, ophthalmologists, uh, ophthalmologists and, and ocular plastics. Uh, we have a prosthetic guy too. <laughs> That's uh, prosthetic uh, ocular prosthetist. Uh, She's got an ortho. Ortho about those elbows that don't bend. Um, Peds rehab. Yeah. So that's her heart. It. Her heart is great. No cardiologist. <laughs> or, 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 only, only once. Oh, only once. Well, yeah, well, I know, but we don't. But, but yeah, so, no so there's, there's about that. nine players all told. Yeah, and then we have our team that's not local based. When she needs a big procedure done or needs, we need some bigger answers. We take it to the you know the top hospital system in the U.S. Christy and Andrew were asked how they make their situation more normal for their other two children. Andrew said. Hadley is a family member and an essential part of our family unit. All of our children have needs and deserve time. We need to peel off and have one-on-one -on -one time with them. They need to talk. Have uncomfortable conversations is important. It is an opportunity for them to express, and so there has to be a regular check-in. If we observe a social cue or an emotion building up, we say, Hey, bud, what's going on? I saw you doing this. Do you want to talk about it? Could you share? And maybe it's not in that moment that they will open up, but at least they know that we are available to them. And ultimately, they will seek us out and make a physical connection if they want to share. The book Wonder 
was close to home. Andrew was very struck by the sister and the parents in that book and the people around Augie. The boys connected with the sister. Watching how resilient their boys are through the grief is amazing. Grief is not something you work through, it is cyclic in nature. I had the opportunity of speaking with Hadley's older brothers, Oliver and Micah. It's different because she has a syndrome where she can't bend her elbows. I'm four years older than her. She's five and she likes to watch TV and she likes sleeping. She's pretty ordinary. I like to read books to her, listen to music with her, and sometimes she just likes to listen to me. She laughs and smiles and sometimes she talks and sings. Having a sister with a disability is different, he says. When asked what they think about when they are out in public and someone asks a question or stares at her, Oliver says, we can answer questions. Oliver will tell friends about his sister if he trusts them. Micah likes to play peekaboo with Hadley. So at first without surgery, she looks like very different, but I realized that doesn't really matter. Like, you know, everybody's different. Everybody has their problems. And, every, and we all have solutions to those problems, and she does her very best. So sometimes I make food for her. I, just, I do errands, like if she needs like, some medical stuff, I can just go into her room and grab it. If like, they're occupied, I can throw things away, um, find bows. She likes bows to wear. Yeah, she has a whole wall of them. Um, I, sometimes I pick out her outfits. I like how she smiles and laughs. I had the opportunity of speaking with Hadley's grandparents. Grandpa's reaction to finding out the diagnosis, he said if it would have been their first granddaughter that had a rare syndrome or disability, it would have been very different. But Hadley was their second. The first granddaughter only lived 10 days. As it were, I was there when Hadley was born and mm -hmm. we knew that she had this um, syndrome. So our ex we knew what to expect and so that made it much better because we knew when she was born that we'd have to she'd have we'd have to have ongoing care care and, and surgeries and such grandma's reaction was it was like finding out lightning struck twice she was there when hadley was born so they knew what to expect so that made that better well it's hard to see your children go through this we have it's it's we, you have the grief of the child you thought you were going to have, but you also see what your, your children are dealing with. I think that's the hardest for me. Um, so many major decisions, and it's never just up to the doctor. It's always, it ends with them on what to do next. Um, they haven't had a lot of guidance as far as I'm concerned. You know, it'd be great if, if situations like this, if there was in the medical world, some specialty of doctors they would take on from beginning to end as kind of like the go-to person in charge because there's so much involved with directing and making decisions with, with someone like Hadley, all the different specialties, specialists, and the parents are just sitting there, they're doing all the research they can to figure out what to do next. It's, it's, it's just a very difficult situation. Grandma says that she is involved in the daily care. She's honored to be involved. Hadley is a joy. She loves taking care of her. All we can do is support. The hardest part is just supporting, being a cheerleader and supporting their decisions as they struggle with you know, major life. 
One of the hardest things is just trying to figure out what's best for Hadley moving forward. And balancing the whole family. You know, the boys, you say people have special needs. We all have special needs. We have different special needs. And, and the boys, you know, need to have a typical, somewhat yeah. typical life too. But not that it, like Andrew said, we're in all in a better place. We've learned so much and, and those boys are going to be very very enhanced in their their lifetimes of what they're learning and how they react to people and and we try and emphasize kindness and different things than we would have otherwise and we we look at people differently I think I probably I've said this out loud before I was guilty of the um, if I saw somebody with a disabled child the thoughts go through your head I don't know how you do it and I would smile and then probably look away I probably never talked to the child I probably didn't know the child's name um, never asked the parents how they were doing. You just kind of, you know, I was being polite, but I wasn't interacting. I mean, they're not an invisible community. We don't, we need to, the reason I post pictures of Hadley all the time is just for awareness. I want people to see her as a person. Grandpa says he is so happy that through the last six months to a year, Hadley has been very stable. Well, I'll tell you right now, the last six months to a year, she's been, seemed to be She's been very stable. She really hasn't had any issues and everything with her health. She seems to be happier and content and more smiling all the time. And I just enjoy sitting down next to her and having hold on my finger and just chill out with her. It's weird. Yeah, just being able to be around her and help take care of her. And I know she's easy to be around. She is a happy little girl. And then watching the milestones. I think in another lifetime, maybe I should have been a physical therapist or something. Just um, trying to help her make, it's been hard with the pandemic, of course. She's missing out, uh, the whole disability community has missed out on their therapies and the things that they need to keep moving forward. And uh, we try and step in and do some of those things for her because she's not getting occupational therapy. She's not getting her speech therapy. She's not getting physical therapy. And she desperately needs all those things. So if we can help do that in any way, that's, that's kind of fun. Hadley got her name from Grandpa. Grandpa came up with the name Hadley Rose and said, if you name her Hadley Rose, I'll give you $500 for each name. And you can have $1,000 if you give her both names. They did, and he paid them $1,000. Grandma says Hadley syndrome made her sutures in her, in her skull to fuse early. Her body was producing more bone faster, so her skull was fused, and so it created all the other issues from there. And so her skull was fused, and then it created all the other issues from there. So those needed to be opened. And what, she had an emergent surgery at four months. Is that when it started? Yeah, it was... It was supposed to be planned but it wasn't because of the eye issue. I just think the the in general the whole cranial community just being able to connect. I don't know what people did years ago. You know, this is so rare and like they said I you get people from all over the world. It's international, it's just not but it's that rare that this community all comes together. Grandpa says he is lucky to have Hadley as his granddaughter. Grandma says that some days you just have to simplify and enjoy the day. Just some days, you just have to whittle it down some days. Just enjoy, take each day, enjoy each day. We don't know, nobody knows what your future is going to hold. Um, you, can, you can grieve and you can experience joy at the, absolutely at the same time. Just grab those moments. No one knows what tomorrow's going to bring.
What an honor it was for me to meet with Christy and Andrew, their two sons, Oliver and Micah, and Grandma and Grandpa too, to talk about Hadley and their journey with her. Thanks for listening to this episode. Orange Socks is an initiative of Rise Incorporated, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting and advocating for people with disabilities. Follow Orange Socks on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, orangesocks.org, for more stories and to find national and local resources to help parents of children with disabilities.